G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Right now, around Australia, we are in the grip of a third wave of the coronavirus pandemic. In Victoria, short of a mandate, students are being advised to wear masks in classrooms even until the end of winter. Unannounced and unexpected, the pandemic has disrupted economies around the world. Supply chains, social life, work and employment, sport, leisure and many churches. In Australia, churches and organisations are still recovering after the restrictions of the past couple of years. We've been feeling as though we are beyond the worst of it, but right now, hundreds of thousands are experiencing the Omicron variants as well as the flu, and there are still many dying each day. Well, along with the pandemic, the world is changing. So how does the church continue to respond and adapt Well, our special guest today says some will grasp the opportunity to thrive, while others will continue to wait for a signal to return to normal. Nathaniel Costilla has written a new book. It's called 19 COVID Lessons the Church Cannot Ignore, Unraveling Exciting New Ways to Honour, Serve and Bring God Glory. Dr. Nathaniel Costilla is a pastor, a strategist, a futurist, and an emotional intelligence coach. He's the founding director of Apostolic Churches Alliance and the principal of Australian School of Ministry. He leads Menorah Church in Perth. Nathaniel Costilla, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Niels, so much for bringing me on board here. Nathaniel, congratulations on the book, 19 COVID Lessons, a little bit of a play on COVID-19. I suspect here you're looking for a silver lining for where church is moving on a dark cloud that COVID has brought not only here in Australia but around the world. What's your book largely trying to say? Well, the book uh, is uh, revealing... um a fresh perspective on our uh, way of looking at life uh, in the midst of the valley here, the pandemic. And uh, it just brings a lot of hope to people to see beyond the challenges of this, uh, you know, bump in the road in a sense. Because I think uh, the impact was so massive uh, on the church, but also on society at large, and uh, I sense when I began writing the book that the church will be taken for a ride in uh, into a direction that it shouldn't go so easily. And uh, I just wanted to bring some alignment and some help uh, to the church and also to the wider community. And um, yeah, I began writing this book, but uh, you know, it was written right when the pandemic started a couple of years ago. And uh, I didn't know 
whether it was going to hit the right note or not, you know, because you're doing it by yourself in uh, the office. And I received no feedback throughout it in the sense, um, you know, it was just in the closet writing it. So it was it was a daunting task in, in itself. But I just, I feel burdened with the responsibility to, you know, give it out, to, to let it pop out of me in, in the way the Lord has... Um, impressed it on me so it was more uh, he he i mean i i struggled with writing this book immensely and um so nathaniel lord, you wrote this book me, nathaniel yeah i'll just share this uh, so the lord said to me nathaniel i didn't ask for performance i asked for obedience because you know you, and then I, I said you know okay i'll just do it god <laughs> all right now, you wrote the book two years ago, and just when we were feeling comfortable and, uh, you know, all sorts of provisions from the government were ending and we're thinking we're on the other side of the pandemic, all of a sudden we find ourselves in the midst of a third wave. So timely for us to talk about this today. And given that you wrote the book uh, in the earlier stages of the pandemic, undoubtedly you've had time for the dust to settle and your thoughts to be crystallised a whole lot more as well. Uh, Your thoughts on the effects of COVID on the church around the world and how things have affected Australia. And just, uh, you know, in context, you're in Western Australia and there's been special issues and effects that have been upon you in church life in WA. Give us your insights into how you think the effects of COVID have affected the church around the world. Well, I think, you know, in the modern era, this has been the biggest blow to the church. Um, I've heard that in Australia, well, in America, almost 40% of the people haven't fully returned to church, to a normal church attendance which is very disappointing. In Australia, it's not as bad, but it's still in, you know, mid-20s to 30% of the people haven't fully engaged back in, you know, regular attendance of church. Some have been taken out altogether. And that is a sad, um, you know, outcome of this. Let's Uh, stay with this for a moment. Uh, If those uh, figures, and they're accurate from the United States, 40% of people who were regular churchgoers in the lead-up to the COVID pandemic and with all of the disruption that happened there, failing to re-engage with church on the other side of a pandemic, what is that saying about the church? And if we're talking about the US, there'll be some alignments here in Australia. Uh, What does it say about our engagement? Well, it it says that we're not doing it as well as we should be doing we have a lot of blind spots. Um, it caught us unaware. It caught us unprepared. It caught us. Uh, we weren't watching. We weren't watchful. We weren't. Uh, we were busy, you know, sort of building the ministries, building the church, building the uh, projects, whatever we had. But somehow we didn't connect the people well to the source. We connected them to the church probably a lot better than we connected them uh, on a direct basis to God. So, yes, we connected them to God, but we channeled everything to the church. And I get that because, you know, Jesus came for the church. 
but we didn't prepare them for any level of persecution or any level of blockage or any level of not church as usual. Resilience is an issue. In the modern era, we haven't we haven't had uh, that danger come to us. Whether you know, but if you grew up in a let's say a country that is persecuted, you would have equipped people that way. Um, I I was in uh, China, I think in twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, and a beautiful uh, gentleman took me around Guangzhou, and he was a believer, and. I said, uh, he only had one son because you could only have one child yeah. uh, there. And uh, he said, I said to him, uh, so is your child, uh, is your son a believer? He said, yes, absolutely. I said, uh, so what church does he go to? He said, he doesn't go to church. I said, well, how does he keep his faith? I said, he said to me, what do you mean how does he keep his faith? He's a Christian. Of course he can keep his faith. It's like, to me, not being connected to a church was, how can you survive? But on the other flip of the coin, it's like, what do you mean, how can you survive? He's got the Bible, he's got the Holy Spirit, and there are other people that he can connect with. It's like, you know, in my traditional way of thinking, is like you had to be plugged into a church to even maintain your Christian faith. But to him, it was, no, we prepared him to be on his own and to work out his salvation and to keep pursuing God on an individual level, whether he has a church or not. If we're talking reality here, if we're talking about what the reality is, uh, if we said people were so well connected to the source, as you, that's your words there, uh, that when a pandemic hit and they then became disconnected from church, they couldn't go along to church for whatever reason or they chose not to, that they would be able to maintain a deep and strong and growing faith apart from the church. But the reality, my suspicion is the reality is that's not really true. I suspect that people do need to have, as you say, be plugged in or in the biblical sense, we always talk about, uh, you know, being grafted into a vine, uh, you know, you know the, the, the life of the vine going through the branches. Uh, there's something, yeah, one there's, another. it's necessity that we actually meet together, even if it's an uncomfortable thing from time to time. That's necessity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that was taken away and people were not prepared. They didn't know how to do it without that connecting point. So they didn't know. I mean, obviously, Zoom came along and many other, uh, you know, sort of channels of connecting. But some did grab it. And that's wonderful because they realized, hey, I need this. And uh, some of them thrive through this because they can connect to wider people. You know, we were doing church online almost every night. We had prayer sessions and, you know, the level increased of connection for some. But for most people, it didn't because it wasn't the same that physical touch, the physical presence, the hug, the handshake, the smile, the eye-to-eye connection, you know, they're all aspects of being human. And uh, then gradually people sort of drifted away and people are, you know, habitual. A church Sunday was habitual in a sense, you know, they were coming every Sunday and now gradually they develop new habits on a Sunday, be it sport, be it going for breakfast or brunch or, you know, going to the beach in Australia. Uh, and then that habit changed for a number of weeks, maybe months, and it was hard to return back to a church habit. 
develop new relationships, new friendships, new ways of doing life. And gradually we shifted away from that uh, common, you know, I, I don't want to even use the word traditional way, but the common Sunday um, expression of going to church. We might say, what have we got to lose here? But uh, for families, parents model the way we grow in our faith uh, by it usually the, the least, uh, the common denominator there is that you you just go along to church. I mean, that's not even all that difficult and doesn't even take a of high course. spirituality. But our children are watching the role modeling of parents. If parents are so easily disconnected from church, how will children actually develop that sort of routine for their lives? Uh, there's a lot to lose in the long run, isn't there? Massive, massive. I mean, the greatest responsibility that we have in this world is as parents, as fathers and mothers. And I don't think we fully assume that mantle of priesthood, especially us men. You know, the family will go where the man goes. If the man goes to the pub, the family will end up in the pub. If the man goes to a footy, the family will end up at the footy. If the man goes to church, the family will end up going to church. And yeah, it comes back to us. We should lead our own family. I mean, the responsibility is on us to lead the family in the ways of God, both in the family, the, you know, in the expression of family devotional prayer, worship, however you do it at home, and then going to church and, you know, raising up the arms and praying. And, you know, you want your children to see you as mother and father praising God. They, you know, you will, by your example, they will be drawn to God. We should lead by that example. We should desire that. And uh, it gives an opportunity for the children to encounter the presence of God. Um, it may take time. It may, may, it may take years. It took us years. But it's the safest way. It's the best way for them to have the opportunity to love the Lord uh, in an environment where the family uh, unit is thriving in the presence of God and also in the fear of God and repenting and connecting with others and loving God and hearing sermons and growing with others and building relationships and friendships and having meals and having games. And it's such an embedded, beautiful life, the church life. Well, I want a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. You might have a question, a comment. You might agree or disagree with our guest today. 1-800-316-316. Nathaniel Costia is our guest. He's written a book called 19 COVID Lessons the Church Cannot Ignore. Before we go any further, let's take a call. Shelby is in Brisbane. Hi, Shelby. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. How are you going? Very well. I uh, love your show, mate. Um, and hello, uh, Nathaniel. How are you? Uh, yes. Uh, yep. Yeah, what, are, what are your thoughts yeah, here, Shelby? Um, I love what Nathaniel is saying. You know, I ask the question often. Um, I meet someone, I say something often, and uh, um, um, people will catch on very quickly that I am a Christian. And now, then I ask them, or they... I might say, oh, you're a Christian. And so we both agree. And then I ask them, where are they fellowshipping? And they go, oh, I don't go to church. And I go, whoa, not to them. <laughs> and I think to myself, well, 
where's your fellowship? You know, um, it's, it's so sad to find so many people that say, yes, I believe. Um, and no, one guy I was talking to, he knew the Bible back at front, but where was his fellowship? And I thought to myself, it's a sad situation. Shelby, you're raising an important point, and there might be all sorts of value that we can identify being connected to a local church. But, Nathaniel, uh, do you have a thought or two for Shelby? Yeah, look, uh, we need to be the church, first of all. If we don't identify as being the church, we will find going to church as a chore as uh, something that we have to do but when we realize that we are the church being in a building is a natural expression of being the church because this means i am the church on the street during the day and i have a celebration expression on a sunday but i am the church every day so whether there's a pandemic or not i am the church i am the church in my business i am the church in my fellowship i am the church at home I am the church everywhere. I carry that atmosphere, that presence of God. I host the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in me. I am the church. And when I meet with other believers, we are the church. And that's why this beautiful aspect of the church has to be an identity aspect, not just somewhere we go to. We are a live organism. We're not just a, uh, an institution or a denomination. We are a live body and we need each other because we are joined together. And, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm not joined with you and you are not joined with me, you know, that ligament is missing. You know, you, you're not doing your part in the body. I'm, you know, my leg is not working. You know, even though I'm a hand, I want the leg to be functioning as well. So I understand that I have a function in the body as well. And I submit to that authority of Christ as my head. And I play my role. I, I fulfill my assignment of that body part in the wider body of Christ. But not just as a Sunday expression, but as an everyday. Because I am the body of Christ in this world every day. That is my identity. And then out of that identity, of course I'll be there on Sunday. Of course, I'll be there for prayer before dawn on Wednesday morning. Of course, I'll be there at the Bible study because they are priorities. They, they're not something I go to. They are part of my life. They are my, my living breath. They are, you know, life on life is, is something that I do. So it's, it's not even a, a question, you know, of should I go to church today? That, that is me. I am the church and I am there. And I think once it gets so embedded into us and we become that, it's not a question of going to, it's a question of being that. Shelby in Brisbane, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. John is in Brisbane. Hi, John. Welcome. Yeah, hi. John, what are your thoughts? I don't know, just turn in your radio, but I am... Um Something about COVID-19, right, in church response. Well, um, I don't know. I think it's something else you said really is more important to me. Um, I get what he's saying about not going to, that it's important to go to church. But there's also a lot of really nasty people out there in church. It's not going to seem why people don't go. 
All right, you're raising an important issue here, uh, raising the thought that there are a lot of nasty people in church. (laughs) There's probably a lot of nasty people everywhere, as there are no doubt a lot of good people in church and a lot of good people, you might even say, everywhere. But the people in church are there with a purpose, as our guest here is describing, Nathaniel What are your thoughts for John, who's doubtful as to whether there is importance about going to church? Well, uh, we go to church to have fellowship with God and one another. Uh, Every one of us carries something that is nasty. And uh, hopefully in a church environment, that nastiness gradually gets crucified and Jesus comes alive. It, it doesn't, like, if you make, if you make well, a storm, it doesn't gradually disappear. It, they just, anyway, like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be nasty. Um, I just, um, I just, I, I don't think that they should be expected to fellowship when they're being, when people, when people just don't, are not friendly. And I use nice words to say this, okay, like, um, there's a medieval idea that many churches hold to, that if you don't go to church on Sundays, you're not saved. It is bogus. If you trust in Jesus alone, He's resurrected from the dead, then you're saved. John, you've got a you've got one interesting point here to make that your salvation isn't dependent on whether you go to church. But if you are identifying with Christ and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, then you recognise that the church is not man's idea, but it's God's idea where we fellowship together and we do life together, we encourage one another, we look after each other's needs, uh, we rub the, uh, the, the abrasive parts of our uh, personalities up against each other and those things begin to smooth out. We are on a learning curve. We are on a journey, and uh, the Bible would, would talk about that as sanctification, becoming holy, becoming more like Christ. So people who are in church, yes, of course, there's going to be nasty people in church. As Nathaniel says, uh, we're on a journey towards not being so nasty. Uh, The nastiness of this, what is within our own hearts, uh, that's coming about because of this sinful nature of ours. So somehow or other, we've got to be able to bring that into check. Uh, Nathaniel, uh, any further thoughts just for John before we let go? Yes, so the early church... In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship and breaking of bread. Now, if you make these the four pillars of the early church, where can you have prayer? Yes, you can have it at home. Where can you have the apostles' teaching? Yes, you can have it online. But what do you do with the other two? What do you do with fellowship and breaking of bread? So half of the expression of the early church had to do with one another, had to do with fellowship and breaking of bread. You can't do fellowship on your own. You can't do breaking of bread on your own. You can, but I mean, obviously not to the capacity that the Lord has invited us to do. So uh, this is biblical. So out of, if we don't have the fellowship, that means we're running on two cylinders out of four. So we're missing two pillars of the church. And, uh, I know it's, it's a wonderful excuse. I could give you m- much more excuse. I've been hurt by the church. I've, I've been in, in the church scenario for many, many years. I've, I've been, you know, ministries have been taken away from me. I've lost thousands of dollars. I've, you know, people have betrayed me, and I would have a thousand excuses not to go to church. But that doesn't affect me. Jesus said, 
look, the ruler of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. If I am dead to the world and alive to Christ, a nasty person cannot touch me. They can only touch something that is within me. So if I see somebody as being nasty and I get uncomfortable about that, that means I have an issue. Because if I am dead, nothing will irritate me. Because I am dead. A dead person is not irritated. Dead I am to, alive in Christ. Dead to self, alive beginning. in Christ. I've got to jump in here. We're about to go to news. John, thank you so much for your call. A contrary idea, but a valuable thing to raise and a wonderful response there too from our special guest. Nathaniel, lots of people wanting to get through and let's take some more calls before we move on. Let's hear from Heather, who is in Harvey Bay. Let me see. Heather. Hi, Heather. Welcome along. Hi, thanks, Phil. Hi, Hi, good. Hi, how are you, Nathaniel? Thank you very much. Hey, I just a uh, couple of things. Um, the gen- young fellow who called just before the news, John, I think his yeah. name was. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just want to. I really want to encourage him to to go to church. Um, and the reason being was that yeah, I get what he was saying, um, but also um, what Nathaniel was saying about um, you know being part of the body of Christ. You know, the leg, the arm, the whatever. Um, but the other on Sunday, I was driving to church, and I was really, really joyful and really looking forward to it. Um, but and, and I was looking around at other people just going about their business just on the road getting there, and I'm thinking, man, you don't know what joy is until you go to church. It's just amazing. But I have at times driven up to church, not just this one, but a church, and thought, oh, gosh, why am I going in there? You know, and I just feel, um, you know, I felt really oh, gloomy about it because, A, you don't fit in or you're, you're new or you're, you know, whatever. But then I've come to realise what Daniel was saying is that, you know, it is about being part of the whole body of Christ in, in his church and being part of that body and sharing in communion and doing those things um, and it's it's about you being the church, as Nathaniel was saying, um, even every other day of the week, um, but coming together and just being able to share. And But you're there for you and being part of the body of Christ to make it whole. And that's, um, that's where, you know, that's what I want to really, really encourage. It doesn't matter about the people around you per se. Heather, wonderful insights you're offering and uh, great commentary on the conversation so far. Nathaniel, have you got a thought for Heather? Yeah, thanks, Heather, for the encouragement. Yes, church is very important. Look, during COVID, um, I think God invited us to rebuild a home church. Um, The home church was probably um, the early church, uh, they met in homes. And uh, we don't do uh, corporate church that well because we don't know how to do home church at all. And if, if we are able to do the home church well, then the corporate expression changes. I think uh, through, through COVID, God has brought us back to the very basics a basic understanding that we are the church and we are the church in our homes. 
before we had the church on the corner of, uh, I don't know, our crossroads in the suburbs. And uh, this gave us a massive opportunity to realign our values to what the church is of who we are and in the micro level where we sometimes miss. Because in, in a home fellowship, in a, in, a, in a family fellowship, you can't hide you have to be there, you know, with full presence. In the last church, you can hide. Whereas here, you know, all of a sudden, you need to express yourself. And I think that authenticity that the Lord has brought to us and to our attention is vital because it grounds us and it makes us thrive into the season. Heather in Harvey Bay, thank you so much for a great contribution too. Let's continue to take some calls. Peter is in Busselton in WA. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Hi, Peter. Yeah, good morning, Neil. Um, I'd just like to make a comment. Uh, I think it was John that uh, phoned in a little while ago saying about uh, people in the church hurting. Um, I'm pretty sure that everyone's been there. Um, I'd just like to give him some encouragement um, about in about an hour's time meeting a group of uh, good strong Christian men over a coffee and we we chat about all sorts of things and uh, as the Lord says uh, iron sharpens iron and um, we all walk away encouraging each other and feeling encouraged and uh, I just thought I'd like to share that story that's all wonderful stuff Peter a thought from Nathaniel we need each other Peter and I love the fact that you're meeting up with other men. Uh, Look, I believe that if we can restore the fathers in this nation, which is probably one of the most fatherless nations in the world, we've got uh, a beautiful restoration of the land. I think the the restoration of the land begins with restoring the fathers. And I actually have a chapter in my book about reestablishing spiritual fatherhood um, because we need that. Wonderful stuff. Peter, thank you for your encouragement and uh, your encouragement to John who called earlier as well. Let's take another call. Jenny is in Portland in Victoria. Hi, Jenny. Hi. uh, Hello. Sorry, why don't I turn the radio down? There you go. Yes, turn your radio down. Hi, Jenny. Jenny, what are your thoughts? Hi. Look, I'm probably harsher than a lot of the others. Um, with John, wasn't it, that was complaining about the church? First of all, I just want to say, one time I pulled out of my church and I was walking on the beach and I said to the Lord, I was praying, and I said, if I'm happier here praying on the beach, why should I go to the church? And immediately the Holy Spirit said, it's called commitment. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Wow. So the, bottom, the thing is, the thing is, um, now wait a minute, I get my brain together. I've got a big, big thing here. But if you want a social club, find a social club. It comes to the church and give. It's, there's a thing in the Bible that says you get back what you give. You know, you get back what's given that we're given to you. That's the same in all life. Get in and pull your sleeves up and start contributing. Show everybody how it should be done. Don't sit there waiting for everybody to walk around patting you on the back and making you happy. I'm sorry, but that's what I think. Well done, Jenny. Uh, Nathaniel, thoughts for Jenny. I love you, Jenny. <laughs> I love your fire. <laughs> Do you want to come to my church and stir them up a little bit? <laughs> it's yeah, good. No, look. Some... Yeah, sorry, Go keep going. I was just going to say your last comment too about restoring fathers to this nation. 
a lot of fathers want to be with their kids and the mothers and the courts are keeping them away from them. So, you know, they get no recognition, no prayers in any church or anything for the non-custodial parents. So I want to raise a, a baton for them today too, please. Yeah. Good stuff, Jenny. Hey, uh, it reminds me of one of the favourite messages that I've ever watched and I think I came across it on a YouTube channel one night uh, from a very famous now late uh, preacher called E.V. Hill. And I remember he was preaching a military analogy about being on watch, uh, being on duty and uh, talking about the believer. And of course, uh, if you walk away from being on watch, if you walk away from being on duty and you leave uh, the wall without that defence, his message was, get back to your post. And uh, I remember just how emotional he was in delivering that line, get back to your post, uh, that we cannot afford to leave our post. And, you know, there is a certain sense in which we can talk about church in a military analogy as well, because we're all part of one body. We're all fighting the good fight. And there are challenges there, but getting back to our post is an important thing post-COVID, when things are looking as though you could leave it and uh, you didn't have a good experience here or there, but this is a time to get back to your post. Uh, Nathaniel, any thoughts uh, before we let go, Jenny? Yeah, so Can just uh, what you said as well. Go again, Jenny. <laughs> No, one one other thing was, who do you think Jesus hung around with? He didn't hang around with the nice churchy people. That's right. He didn't hang around with people who were being nice to everybody. So the message for John is go and role model what it is not to be nasty. Now, Nathaniel, you've got your final word here. Yeah, um, I love the analogy with the army. You know what I've done, and I do this as an exercise in the EQ when I teach, I say to people, and this is good for the church more so than uh, to, to the wider communities, what are your non-negotiables? Define your non-negotiables. You must have some values that are not negotiable in your life. So for example, for me, um, you know, my walk with God is non-negotiable. You know, it's, it's I will finish this race and I will finish well, whatever it takes. That's not negotiable. You know, I will love God and I will, you know, I, I will be the church. That's not negotiable. So I don't even entertain the thoughts. You know, I will honor my wife and the marriage vow. That's not negotiable. I, I won't even entertain a thought that would come in. So the more, you know, the more these values, the non-negotiable values I define in life, they prevent me from even entertaining any thoughts about not doing them. Because that is just... I won't even go there, you know. I will be part of the church. It's, it's non-negotiable. Whether I like, this is not subject to my emotions or subject to what a new wave of thinking is or uh, whether I'm sick or whether I'm not, whether somebody hurt me or I hurt somebody and I can't show my face in that place. There, there has to be, as a Christian, as a mature follower of the Lord Jesus, this is a test of maturity, is we have to be fixated on certain aspects. I mean, Stephen is dying. He's being martyred. He, it says that he gazes intently into heaven. In, in the Romanian translation, I am Romanian, it says he nailed his eyes into heaven. Basically, it was not negotiable for him. 
And in that moment, he reached the point of no return. He was able to pray for those who were persecuting him to death. So we need to reach that point of maturity, which this is the test. Have you reached the point of no return? In what areas of your spiritual walk have you reached a point of no return? Because those are the non-negotiables in your life. And the sooner you define those, whether there's two, three, four, five of them, the sooner you will thrive because then you don't need to go back to those uh, and, and be subject to any other influence whatsoever. Jenny, so in Portland. That firm, that firm direction, that firm focus in life, and you will see how that uh, just liberates you. Thank you so much to Jenny for your call. And let's just continue to take some calls. So Ruben is in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Ruben. Hi, Ruben. Yeah, good day. How you doing? Good. What are your thoughts? I, um, yeah, I was just listening. Um, a favourite verse of mine, uh, the second half in 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord. And I know for me, uh, I've been a professional wakeboarder. Uh, for many years and, uh, and uh, well, until recently. I've travelled around the world and sometimes when you wakeboard every day, in and out and in it, you, you get bored with it. And uh, and sometimes, you know, to go to the wakeboard, wakeboard park can be a bit boring, but then you go there and after a while, you're hanging out with other people who enjoy doing what you enjoy. And eventually you get excited and you want to go for another wakeboard, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I find that as a Christian... That uh, hanging out with, um, you know, when I go to church, I think one of the most important things for me is after church to hang out with people who love the Lord. And I always see people, as soon as the church, you know, the church is finished, they're out the door and in their car and they're gone. And I sort of think, see, you're missing out on one of the most important parts of going to church, and that's hanging out with others that love the Lord. Wonderful stuff, Reuben. Let's get a thought from Nathaniel. Well, that's what was missing during COVID. And I think our call, especially those who understand this, is to come back to that and reestablish that. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I have a chapter in my book called Release the Power of Touch. As Christians, we are very uh, tactile people in the sense, you know, we welcome people, we hug, we lay hands on people, we pray for people. And during COVID, people have been taken away from this, uh, you know, touch aspect of life. And uh, in that fellowship, you know, it's, I, I, we miss that. And I think, you know, he's, he said it very well. You know, we need to hang out with people. We need to be more around people. And the more you, time you spend with people, the more you realize how wonderful that is. And yes, it's frightening at times because our habits have changed and it's uncomfortable. But uncomfortable is normal. Comfortable is not. We should be a little bit uncomfortable every day because everything around us changes all the time. We need to change as well. In fact, put yourself in uncomfortable positions all the time because that's how you grow. That's how we grow in relationships. That's how we grow in our social awareness and the way we can lead others and teach others and help others. Of course, but this is the beautiful aspect of life, the messiness of life, uh, the, the rubbing shoulders with people, the 
you know, uh, the uh, sometimes the tensions. You know, the most beautiful things come out of tensions. The most beautiful truths come out of tensions. Uh, we should welcome tensions. You know, I used to sit in a boardroom meeting with, you know, nine of my staff. And sometimes, you know, in our meetings, you know, there was a, a, a tension coming up, or, you know. And I would love it because I said, you know, something good will be born out of this, you know. And uh, even children are born out of tension, you know. So everything comes back to tension. So don't avoid tension. Tension is good. That's, that's how things, uh, you know, break through. And it's beautiful. So let's welcome a little bit of messiness. Let's welcome a little bit of, you know, uneasiness. Because this, this changes us and makes us more like Jesus. Ruben, thank you so much for your call. Let's squeeze in one more call. Yana is in Dartmouth in WA. Hi, Yana. Welcome. Hi, greetings to you. I just wanted just to uh, just clarify the defining the Church of Christ, you know. And um, often when I when people talk about the church, um, the verse comes to me that's not to forsake in the assembly. So forsake not assembling together is a misunderstood scripture in the church today. And when the Bible refers to the church, it is always the people who make up the body of Christ. And when the book of Hebrews was written there, were no church buildings and the houses of worship were not a part of the faith until around 320 three roughly AD when Constantine um, well Emperor Constantine initiated them but you know as you know there's been millions and millions of people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Saviour met with other brothers and sisters in Christ informally in their homes and since COVID has begun there has been more and more the house churches people have gathered together in their living rooms and they've gathered amongst their brothers and sisters in the Lord and there's been just wonderful outcomes from these um, groups um, where, you know, two or three are gathered together, Christ is in the midst. Wonderful stuff, Yana. In fact, the house church movement in Australia was very strong before COVID and perhaps even stronger since. Uh, Nathaniel, a thought or two for, for Yana? Yeah, Chapter 5, my book, Rebuild the Home Church. <laughs> I believe in this because, look, I grew up uh, uh, in a Messianic Jewish family and... Uh, my father was a priest in every sense uh, in the house. We we used to have a, a church service every day in our house, a devotional of about half an hour. So I grew up with that, and I loved it. And we had the big church expression. We went to a charismatic church, Pentecostal church, and why the church, evangelical. And uh, I believe, especially Australia, being uh, having so many remote areas, uh, the home church is vital is vital. And because we couldn't meet in the buildings during um, COVID, not just here, but worldwide, I think God wanted somehow uh, to to bring back the church in the homes because that's where it started. That when it, that's where it should start as well. And the Sunday expression, the Sunday church should be a celebration of what's happening in the home churches during the week. So I love that. I love that. Yana, thank you so much for your call. And here we are towards the end of our conversation. And uh, it's been wonderful hearing from every person who called in today. Uh, Wonderful you've helped lead the conversation in ways that we might not have even imagined. But uh, we'll trust that God has created this conversation today in in some sense that it overflows into the hearts and minds of listeners. And thank you so much to everyone who did make that contribution Hey, but coming back to your book here, Nathaniel, 19 COVID lessons the church cannot ignore. 
We haven't even talked a lot about the contents, though listeners today have had a wonderful ability to hear your heartbeat in all of that. I wonder if you've got a, a certain, just an overview that might encourage a listener to dig a little bit deeper into the reasons why we might be talking about these lessons today. A thought or two for, about your book? Yes, yeah, so uh, there's a verb in everything. So it's 19 chapters. It starts with rise to the challenge and finishes with rise to the occasion. Every challenge is an occasion. And everything is a re, re, re. Review, restore, reset, rebuild, reassess, realize, refresh, rediscover, reform, reinvent, release, reestablish, rethink, refocus, realign, rewrite. All of these things we know in some sense, but they are forgotten. They are not at the forefront of our, of our perspective. And this just, it's, it's one of those F5 in the old Windows software where you refresh things in your mind and you bring to the forefront what is important. So I strongly encourage people to spend a bit of time. One thing that I wanted to, uh, to touch just before we wrap things up is about eschatology. You know, there's been some really awkward eschatology in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, most of it was not accurate. And you probably saw that. And uh, a lot of Christians get taken away by this. It's interesting. The world is not taken away by this, but the churches. And it saddens me. You know, churches have been taken away. You know, we had to close the church down because one of the pastors did exactly that. They thought it was the end of the world. And I just could not convince him that this is just a, a bump in the road. Uh, and I think so easily the church gets drifted away. Our main focus hasn't changed. Receive power and be my witnesses. That's all we have to do. Be empowered to be God's witnesses. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. It's not for you to get entangled in the narrative of the second coming that is bogging you down and taking you away from the main focus of Jesus Christ as the center of our lives. So with all this, uh, you know, YouTube and conspiracies that are out there, I just say to you, you know, rise above that. Rise above that. Yes, all of us have been sucked into some of them and we thought they were very accurate and we realized that, you know, they drifted us away from the truth. So I just call the church to arms and understand this patch of history that God is calling us to thrive, to do something amazing. And let's not miss what God is doing in this season. Uh, because this is, this is so important. We will never go through this uh, uh, opportunity again. So let's thrive in this season. Nathaniel, great words of wisdom and checking those things that we do believe even about the end times because that has an effect on our motivations. And so we balance those sorts of things that we understand uh, with the things that we're called to do and the things that we are called to be as participants, as part of the body of Christ, part of the local church. Well, the name of Nathaniel's book is 19 COVID Lessons the Church Cannot Ignore. You can connect with Nathaniel at his website, nathanielcostia.com. That's spelt N-A-T-A-N-A-E-L. So Nathaniel Costia, C-O-S-T-E-A, Dot com. Nathaniel, great getting your insights today and uh, love to have you back again on another day and perhaps uh, exploring some different dimensions. But And you've written some other books too. And I'll just quickly mention 40 Years and 40 Days, 
a practical discipleship book you wrote in 40 days, starting on your 40th birthday, and also The Most Precious Gift, a book for those seeking a first encounter with God. Uh, Dr. Nathaniel Costia, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.